0: In the very least, if you don't want to get into it, it's about a a guy who, you know, stuff happens to. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a good, which is, yeah, Yeah,
1: it's what you want in a story. You want a guy who stuff happens
2: to. Hello, fellow geeks. This is Jay Shear, host of the Story Geeks podcast and co founder of the Reclamation Society. You are part of a small but powerful group of people we call Story Geeks. Fans of science fiction, fantasy, and comic books who love to dig deeper into geek stories to see how they impact us and the culture around us. These aren't just stories that help us escape. These stories shape our world. How? That's what we're discussing today. Thank you for joining us, and please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future Story Geeks conversations.
1: Welcome to the Story Geeks podcast, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode I will be your host today. My name is Daryl Smith, and I have another returning guest with me tonight. I have my good friend, Elvis Ieskas. Thanks for coming back, Elvis. Thanks for having me. Hey. Always glad to have you. Nice. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What what makes you a geek? Um,
0: So I think for starters, um, I'm an insurance underwriter. So (laughs) that that right there is um, analysis of risk is pretty nerdy, so... It's a very lucrative job. Everyone's looking for it. Um, <laughs> um, I grew up playing a lot of uh, a lot of video games, so I think that's the biggest connection to the geek world for me. Um, so I would uh, spend countless summers um, riding uh, all through Hyrule and hey. trying, to, trying to save Zelda. Nice. Um, so. I think that's probably the biggest connection to the geek
1: world. That stupid theme still gets in my head every now and then. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one to ask that in
0: your
1: head. But you're also into superheroes and. Yeah. So also in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. MCU,
0: you know, what have you.
1: There you go. Well, speaking of the MCU, the movie we are discussing today is the very birth of the MCU. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning and we're going to talk. John Favreau's Iron Man, which is such a great movie. Yes. Such a great movie. Started this amazing thing, but I think people forget how good that first movie was to begin with. So, let's talk a little bit about the movie. Let's uh, begin with our spoiler-free rating section. We're just going to talk our opinions on the quality, story, depth, and likelihood to refer. And this is a safe zone. No spoilers here. So... Elvis, on a scale of one to 10, what would you rate the quality of Iron Man? I went with 10, um, and, cause it was
0: just a fantastic movie. Um, I think, uh, you know, you had the people, obviously, like you'll always have on movies like this or, or the beginning of, or people who are ushering this new thing or new type of movie in, you know, um you know, you had the haters and you had people who were like, oh, this isn't going to be good. But Were was... there any
1: haters for Iron Man?
0: I think there may have been. You know, there always is a small percentage of people who are like, this is going to be bad.
1: Or I feel like all the hatred goes towards DC nowadays and Marvel can do no wrong. I think so too. Hmm. I think so too. Which I don't think is fair, but I no.
0: think that's the way it is. I think you're right.
1: Yeah.
0: I think you're completely right. But I gave a 10 quality of the movie. It was
1: solid. All around. Cool. Cool. I went with nine. Here's the thing. There's so many good movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is too long to say. So I'm gonna start saying MCU. (laughs) There's so many good movies that I'm like, am I gonna give them all tens? So I started to get a little bit more critical here. I
0: I see. I I'm with you on that one. There are some that I would not give ten, but this one because this was, and we'll get into it, part of my top five. Hey hey. And like this one, this one I was just telling you I could watch. Yeah. All day. Yeah. So.
1: Well, I went with nine simply because, and I've kind of been on rants about this before as we've done lots of Marvel movies lately on these podcasts, but um, it's it's about the villain. So I think Marvel does suffer at several points from weak villains. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't go so far as to say that the villain in this movie, I won't reveal who that is yet because it's spoilery, (laughs) but... It's I won't Joker. go as far as to... It's the Joker, right. I won't go so far as to say that this villain is weak, but I think it could have been better. Yeah. I think it could have been fleshed out more. I think there could have been more motivation. Um,
0: and I'm sure we'll... I think we'll probably dig more into this, into the, uh, the following questions. Um, but do you think maybe it was just because... And this might be all of MCU where they're trying to rush out a huge story arc or a development of the, the hero... Rather than the villain, like okay, here's the hero, everyone. Now here's the now here's the tiny villain that yeah. gets to demonstrate that. So I don't know. We yeah. don't need to get into it now, but.
1: No, I think there's some of that. I mean, they definitely are hero focused and less villain focused. Which I think is getting better as they go. Yeah. With the later movies. Yeah. Um But uh yeah, like you said, we'll talk about it more. So let's uh let's move on to story depth. One to ten. What'd you say? I I'd, I wrote down 10 and then I scratched it out. I'd give it like 8, 9. An 8, 9? An yeah. 89? 89. That's really yeah. good.
0: <laughs> Between an 8 or 9, I couldn't really decide which one I wanted. Probably more so towards the 9 on that one. On just the depth. Mm-hmm. Again, just based on what I had just said. Yeah. Um. You know, it was focusing... Like, it went in-depth on the hero. But, you know, other things we'll get into. Kind of not so much, yeah. I felt.
1: Yeah, I agree. I said 9. Um. Which, again, I mean, we're talking about the bad side of things here, but 9 is a very good score. It's almost the best score, so... Yeah. Good story, great story. Yeah. Um, but I can't quite go up to 10, again, because of the villain. And then, when I was trying to figure this out, I was thinking, man, Tony Stark has a lot of depth to his story. But then I realized I was thinking about the MCU right. at large, right. and not just about this one movie. So, right. So, I think... I can forgive that because I think they at least hoped that they were starting something. I know when they made Iron Man, they hoped that it was going to grow into something bigger, but they didn't know for sure. Mm-hmm. So maybe there was a bit of a gamble there. Um, likelihood to refer. Anytime we do a Marvel movie, this seems like a no-brainer, but... Yeah.
0: this. I mean, this is the beginning, so I said 10. Yeah, 10, right? Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah. Cause How do the, you not watch this? In the very least, if you don't want to get into it, it's a. it's... At the very least, as simple as possible, it's about a, a guy who, you know, stuff happens to. He's, <laughs> which is a good... Which is, yeah. It's what you want in a story. Yeah, you want it, a guy who stuff happens yeah. to. Yeah. I just realized that I almost spoiled it there, so... <laughs> oh, gotcha. Sorry, okay, okay, backtrack, backtrack. Anyway, ten, because it's just a great storyline, you know, if yeah. you didn't want to get further into Marvel and other characters and everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree, and... I'll say this here because we probably won't talk much about it throughout the rest of the podcast, though. But I think Jon Favreau has worked his way into probably one of my top five favorite directors of all time. Mm. Like, Mm. look at his body of work. Like, Elf. You know, he can make Elf, which is my favorite Christmas movie. Yeah. But then he can turn around and make two Iron Man movies. I believe he was the one that had the foresight to cast Robert Downey Jr., I think that was his doing mm. um, and then you know fast forward to um, the jungle book oh yeah that was great and even chef did you see chef
0: oh that was that's one of my
1: favorite movies it's a beautiful movie yeah. it's very simple but yeah. but it's beautiful I heard though that chef was a bit of a veiled lashing out at Marvel because <sighs> you know in that movie he's, he's that's yeah. he's pissed off at his boss because his boss won't let him Cook the food he That's wants right. to cook. That's right. That makes right? sense. So that makes perfect sense. I don't know. I heard that from a website. So yeah. who knows if that was in his head or not? But yeah. I just want to give a little bit of credit there to John Favreau because I think he gets overlooked because it doesn't feel like he's out there trying to make the glory movies. You know, he's making what he wants to make, and I think maybe it's not recognized how good he really is. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's add one more question here into our spoiler-free section. Um, given that Iron Man is the first movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we should take a second just to talk about the MCU at large and what better way to do that than just to arbitrarily rank things, right? (laughs) So let's talk about our top five favorite MCU films and let's go number by number. So we'll each do like five, then we'll each do four. We'll kind of count it down that way. So what is your number five?
0: Number five, I put the Incredible Hulk. Really? Yes. Wow. Explain. Edward Norton, Incredible Hulk. Sure. What would you say if I said Eric Bana, Hulk?
1: Well, that doesn't count. <laughs> That's not within the MCU. Um, yeah, I just and I probably wouldn't have said anything. I just would have reached across the table and punched you. <laughs> this
0: episode's over. Mm-hmm. Um, uh. I just I really liked it. I like the, the character of the Hulk. I think that that movie went, you know, as in depth as it could, uh, for the length of time, uh, showing how, um, uh, Dr. Banner was able to, um, control or how start help himself control the Hulk. Right. You know, and yeah, and I, I, that's what I really liked about it. Um, and I think I just enjoyed Edward Norton's take on the character, um, so I thought that was pretty good. And then trying to see if there's something else. That's pretty much it. Well,
1: I agree about yeah. Ed Norton. I've, I've often thought I would love to see what all the other movies look like if he was there.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I love Mark Ruffalo too. I see. I like him. But if they did a standalone with just him, yeah. Um, I would probably that would probably make my top five.
1: Yeah. It seems like in the comics, I haven't read a whole lot of Hulk comics, but it seems like Bruce Banner is a very tragic character. So for that, Ed Norton certainly made a whole lot more sense. Mm, mm-hmm. But Mark Ruffalo brings some comedy and some levity to it, which yeah. is fun. A, yeah, you know, and somebody who can be wittier than Tony Stark, which is kind of right. nice. <laughs> All right, cool, Incredible Hulk. My number five is this movie, is Iron Man. Okay. Yeah. Um, for all the reasons we've already talked about, <laughs> why it's so good. Yeah. Um, so let's go number four. What's your number four?
0: Number four, I said um, Captain America.
1: Which one? The first the, one? Just the first one. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. The first one.
1: I think that's my wife's favorite.
0: I, that was just, you know, again, another intro to another character for the bigger... Picture of what MCU was trying to do, yeah, and I thought they did a really good job with it. It was, you know, your all-American hero kind of thing, and yeah, I just they did a tremendously good job with it, and I,
1: I think that's a movie that I came to appreciate more later on mm-hmm. after the sequels came out. Okay, you know, why do you say that? Uh, I'm trying not to get too spoilery on it, but okay. I think I think it's it's more interesting for me to see captain america in the present than in the past okay and then getting a chance to see how chris evans plays him and really weaves a lot of complexity into him and kind of seeing that in the context of the present and then getting to go back and watch it again it's like oh no it was there to begin with too yeah
0: okay that makes sense
1: yeah um my number four is the very newest one in in the mcu guardians of the galaxy volume two Uh yeah, i think those movies just have this really cool blend of humor and dorkiness but also heart Mm -hmm. and just like real emotion that some of these other movies can't quite touch right which is weird because there's a raccoon in a talking tree but (laughs) they still (laughs) managed to pull it off (laughs) so that's my number four what about three Three, I said Doctor Strange. Yeah, Doctor Strange almost cracked my top five. Yeah. Why three?
0: He got in there. Um, again, I've only seen this one time, but I, I, I like Benedict Cumberbatch,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and I think he uh, um, brought a lot to Doctor Strange. So I didn't, I've never, I'd never read anything regarding yeah. Doctor Strange, so going into it, it was kind of new. I knew who he was, obviously. Uh, I knew what he was able, capable of doing, power-wise and ah, everything. Yeah. Um, but I think he brought uh, different emotions, different, uh, different stories, new characters, obviously to the,
1: to the store, to the bigger picture. Um, so I think that's why it was on there. I do think that movie has maybe my favorite opening line of any movie. I think it's the first line in the movie when, um, the ancient one is fighting, I forget the character's name, but, um. And I forget the actor's name, but the villain. (laughs) She's fighting the villain. Um, And I think the first line is, the villain sees her and just says, hypocrite. Yeah. And I'm like, that is so interesting. (laughs) Like one word. And I'm dying to know why why he calls her a hypocrite. Yeah. You know? What is his name? (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember the character's name. If I sit here and think long enough, the actor's name will come to me, because
0: it's, it's, he's huge. Uh, he was no in
1: Rogue One. He's been in all the of Yeah, that's right. Stuff. Does, yeah.
0: Yeah. So.
1: Eh, it'll probably come halfway through the podcast, <laughs> and I'll randomly blurt it, it out yeah. while you're talking about something else. Um. Okay, my number three, uh, not to be repetitive, but is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. Because <laughs> I love both of those movies. Yeah. But I think one is... Just a tick better than two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've only seen two once, so maybe after I see them more. I think those kind of grow on you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just love those movies. I think they're onto to something special there. Number two. I said this movie, Iron Man. Whoa, okay. Iron Man's
0: number two for me. All right. Yeah.
1: I have no idea what your number one is going to be, and I'm kind of excited to find <laughs> out. But... <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk more about this right, one for yeah. sure. My number two is Captain America Civil War, because like I was talking about before, I love Cap in the present day. I think the Rousseau brothers are amazing. I'm so glad that they're doing Infinity War, hmm. and I love that they have their hand on the Marvel Universe yeah. so firmly, because I think those guys are great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I said Civil War. Okay. So, number one, what's number your big number one. one? So, I mean, number one for me
0: is Guardians of the Galaxy. Hey, all yeah, right. That's number one for me. Um, I think with a new era of Marvel movies, Guardians of the Galaxy brought in a new twist to it. Um, and I think, like you said, it's, it's funny. It's really nerdy. Yeah. Um, you know, you have the, the lovable Chris Pratt. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but there's a whole lot. There's a different set of emotions to it, and a different set of style that James Gunn brought to it. Yeah. And I thought that was really good. It's it's a movie that you know, um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. They're I still fantastic.
1: Do. They're so good. Yeah. Well, my number one blabbing on about the Russo brothers and Captain America. My number one is Captain America Winter Soldier. (laughs) So, I'm not very unique in my top four, I guess. But it is what it is. Yeah. But, yeah, I love Winter Soldier. I think that is such a unique movie. Because I think it's the first time that someone didn't set out to make a superhero movie. Mm -hmm. But they made a movie that has a superhero in it. Yeah. You know, it's a different kind of story. Like, I've heard political thriller. I don't know if that's a fair representation. But I just think such a well-told story. And then I love the concept of legacy, which I'm not going to talk about too much because I've already done it in thousands of other podcasts. But, (laughs) you know, the whole Captain America, Winter Soldier, Batman Robin kind of thing. Yeah. I love all of that. So, and I think most of the movies, well, not most, half the movies we just talked about, um, there are other podcasts for us, so go back and check them out. There is a Guardians of the Galaxy podcast. There's a Captain America Winter Soldier podcast. So go subscribe to the Story Geeks and check those out, along with so much other stuff, the Star Wars series and everything. So let's get into the deep stuff. Here we go. From here on out, spoilers are allowed. So if any of you are listening to this and for some reason you haven't seen Iron Man... I don't know what's wrong with you, but go see it first, and then come back and listen to the rest of this, because we're going to spoil the heck out of it. And I should say, we might possibly spoil some other movies within the, the MCU as well, so... Yeah. Maybe so- you should just stop listening here, go and watch all 15 Marvel movies, <laughs> and then come back in a couple months and listen to the rest of this podcast. Yes.
2: Star Wars fans, we are giving away two very special Star Wars prizes to Reclamation Society email subscribers. If you subscribe to the Reclamation Society's email updates, you are entered to win the Art of Rogue One. But thanks to a special donation from Daryl Smith, who is also one of the other hosts of the Story Geeks podcast, we have a second prize, a never-before-watched copy of The Phantom Menace on VHS. That means we have two super cool collector's items, and all you have to do is subscribe to our email updates. Which, by the way, you should do anyways. So, go visit www.reclamationsociety.org, and you can enter to win there. The link is in the show notes, so go subscribe now! So,
1: okay, let's take a deeper dive here, Elvis. So my first question... Um, so, Tony Stark is referred to as a man who has everything and nothing. Mm. So, what do you think that means? What do you think Tony's lacking at the beginning of this movie that makes him have, you know, quote-unquote nothing?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's got, you know, he's he's crazy smart. Mm-hmm. He's got loads of money. Yep. He's at the head of, you know, a very, very successful and well-off company yep. um, building tech military um, weaponry all of that Um so he's got all of that going for him Um but i i think you know within he's pretty he's pretty empty there's no actual human connection there's no actual community that he knows of um or that he does he realizes yeah you know um so he's just pretty much living for himself doing whatever he wants buying whatever he he can Um, you know and I think um, I think Jensen in that cave points that out Um, even if it's not a finger to his chest pointing it out it's with the way he presents himself Jensen yeah or the way that he talks about
1: things yeah I agree I think he's lacking relationship I one of my favorite characters in this movie is actually Jarvis and I love that Because in the comics, Jarvis is human. Jarvis is a butler. He's basically like Alfred Uh to Batman. Yeah. At least he used to be. I don't know what modern comics are like. They may have gone the way of the movies. But he used to just be a guy. Yeah. You know? (laughs) But now he's an artificial intelligence. And I love that because it's sort of this picture of the only person that Tony will sit with and listen to and talk to. And trust is somebody that he can control. Yeah. Somebody that he literally designed. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, he's totally lacking relationship, like you said, as far as he knows. We'll get into that later. Yeah. I think he's also lacking purpose and identity. I think he's just... He's pretty much just an extension of what he thinks his father was. Right. Right? Like, he looks at his father as... Um... You know, a weapons manufacturer, a playboy, you know, a rich man. I don't think he had the best relationship with his father, so he doesn't really see him for who he is. Mm -hmm. And throughout the other movies in the Marvel Marvel universe, we kind of come to realize that his father wasn't such a bad guy. Yeah. But he thinks he was. And so he's just sort of become what he thinks his father was. He's become this picture of the playboy, rich millionaire guy, you know? So I don't think he really knows who he is as a person and what his life should be about, so.
0: Right, and then I think to further that comment, I think he's just, again, he's just living in the giant shadow of his father. Yeah. Um, And it doesn't make it any easier when his father's best friend and partner, Obadiah, mm-hmm. is there kind of also holding his hand, you know, even if it isn't like physically or, um, you know, saying like I'm walking you through this. It's, you know, he keeps him in a box.
1: Right. So Totally. Yeah, he doesn't want him to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you talked about Jensen. I think Jensen is probably he might be my favorite character in this movie. Um, so let's talk about him for a little bit here. Um It's off it's not just Tony's brush with death that sort of changes him and makes him think about life differently. It's also Jensen, who is, just to recap for everybody, Jensen is the guy that Tony was imprisoned with um, by the terrorists, the guy who actually saved his life and hooked his heart up to a electromagnet to keep the shards out of his heart, um, and ends up being the one who sort of helps him build the suit and helps him escape. Um, so why do you think Yinsen has such... A big impact on Tony.
0: Well I think I for starters one, what you what you just said, I think being kidnapped just as having a near-death experience. Um and I think he connects very well with Jensen because well Jensen saved his life. Yeah. Um but also Jensen points you know, he talks about the way he talks about his family and then that quote you mentioned um you know he's a man who has everything but nothing right you know Heson was the one that said yeah that. he yeah. Point, he he knows you know tony 's true heart like yeah, and an example of that is that he they met at um they met at an event in Berg, I think he says it was hm i don't know if that yeah, it 's for some event that they meet, but Tony was too drunk. To have really remembered that, right. you know, that interaction between the two, and I think that that sets it also for him as well. Like, yeah. like what am I doing with my life that I can't even remember, you know, having an interaction, conversation with this guy or, or meeting this man? Totally. Um, and I think I think with the the near the near death experience and being kidnapped and being forced to create, you know, the Jericho missiles, I think he he's trying to cling on to whatever relationship you can at this point to, to, I feel like to maybe make things right, you know, trying to save something Yeah, that he thought he, it's like, well, I don't have this and I'm probably going to die. Yeah. Um, I'm going to at least try to connect with this human as much as I possibly can.
1: Totally. So. Yeah. And I think Jensen, you know, Jensen talks about his family and he talks about, I will see them again when I get out of here. Mm-hmm. We don't know at the time that that means his family is actually dead. Yeah. But I think Jensen is sort of this picture of, to Tony, of somebody who knows what matters in life and is holding on to it, even though he's physically lost it, you know? And he's kind of the antithesis of Tony. Like, Tony has all this stuff. He has these people in his life that care about him. Yeah. He has everything going for him, but he doesn't realize it. Yeah. He's too wrapped up in himself. Yeah. So I think Yinsen sort of becomes this picture of that's what I want, you know. And then Yinsen dies yeah. trying to get Tony out. Mm-hmm. And Tony realizes, oh, I have these things and I can lose them or I can die. Yeah. And it can mean nothing. And Yinsen even says to him, "Um, you know, Tony says, thank you for saving me. And Yinsen says, don't waste it. Don't waste your life. Yeah. So, and then I think... So Marvel's been criticized, I think, for not having enough death in their stories, right? Like you look throughout the movies and really no super major characters have been killed. Some have died and not stayed that way, mm-hmm. you know, and and not that, not that I want all these people to die or anything. I'm not like a big jerk that wants to see everybody die, but... Right. There's stakes that come with death in storytelling, right? So it kind of adds a gravity to everything. Yeah, And I think they've been criticized for not doing that enough. But I didn't even realize, if you go back to this movie, this is one of the most impactful deaths in the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's right there in the first 20 minutes of the first movie.
0: Right, yeah, because I think you could probably say that Jensen kind of uh, pushes... um, uh, And we'll get to that question... Um, but he pushes, I think he kind of pushes him into this, um, uh, progressive redemption, I guess you could say, like, it's this. it's like, okay, you know, the man who saved my life, who I had, who has just started this relationship with, you know, um, you know, this friendship with it's, he's now dead. So now I can't just, you know, I can't just sit here and do nothing now. Yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of that he, he pushes him into the, you know, he cross, makes him cross the line, like, you know, make your life worth something. Yeah. You know, have, do what you can with what you have. And, um, but yeah, I think, I think if we were doing the favorite characters, Jensen, yeah, he'd probably
1: be one of my, one of my yeah. favorites on this. So a lot of depth in one character that you only see for what, 15 minutes, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, why do you think Tony's weapon of choice, when he finally has to make a weapon, why do you think it's a suit of armor? Um, I mean, there's the practical reason for just getting out of the cave, but, (laughs) you know, bigger than that. I think with this movie, there's,
0: you know, he, he goes, you know, he goes, he's in the Middle East pitching, like, weapons and missiles and, and all this stuff, and I think, he saw, you know, the death in that. He saw, just um, how evil that could be. Um, and I think when he he created the suit, it was something besides its convenience to be able to just put it on. It was something that he could he could control. Mm-hmm. It's something that he could put on, and this is it's like no destruction comes out of this particular suit except yeah. when I'm in it, and it's not. It's only for good.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, because that... I
0: thought about that, and I was like, I was like, well, you know, what else would have been cool for him to have done, <laughs> you know, like what just a suit? But yeah, he could have done anything else. And I was thinking, you know, and obviously he he starts creating more suits, more and more suits, and yeah, there's so many suits out there that he's done that, you know, are even more convenient. Yeah, but I think the suit itself is just something. I think it was something that he could have control. He it was in his power to control. Um. And it wouldn't, you know, without other people getting a hold of the blueprints or Mm -hmm. trying to recreate it, as we see in, like, Iron Man 2 or 3, you know, that no, like, no terrorist, no villain, you know, no one else could get that.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's a good point. It's funny. My answer is about control, too, but in a negative sense. Okay. Yours is in a positive sense, but I think it was... Well, first of all, I think it was sort of a shift from offense to defense, in a way. Yeah. Because his whole life has been about offensive, right? He makes weapons, and he creates ways for people to be offensive and go out and vanquish their enemies. Um, so it might just be like a, you know, when he comes to this point where he realizes that his life was wrong and he needs to change everything... It kind of makes sense that even subconsciously that he would switch to, oh, I need to be defensive now, Mm -hmm. you know. But I think there's also a, as far as being in control, I sort of saw it as a way for him to isolate himself from the rest of the world. Because that's what he's been doing his whole life, but for different reasons. Now I wonder if he wants to change who he is, but maybe he thinks nobody else is really going to buy into that. Mm. You know, like Tony Stark is a superhero. I don't yeah. think so, you know. And so he creates a literal suit of armor that hides his identity. Nobody knows it's him. And who does he who's the only person he puts inside the armor with him? Yeah. Jarvis. Yeah. <laughs> the one he can control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that mentality changes throughout the movie. I think that's part of his redemptive arc, but Yeah. But yeah. Um Okay, so we've alluded to these relationships that he has and kind of doesn't recognize. Specifically, Pepper Potts, his assistant, Happy Hogan, his driver, and uh, James Rhodes, his best friend in the military. Um, And those three people all stay loyal to him throughout his whole life in what seems like a pure way. Like I know Obadiah is there too, but... Yeah, As we know, Obadiah is the villain of this story, yeah. so his motives aren't pure, but these three seem genuinely loyal to Tony, both when he's a arrogant, rich jerk and yeah. when he's on his way to being a superhero. So um, why do you think they care about him so much, especially early on, before he becomes Iron Man? Um,
0: I tossed tossed and turned with this question here because it was, um, you know, I think apart from, from them being just employees, um, I think they just really cared for him. Yeah. Um, and it, it could have been any number of reasons. It doesn't go into it, but it could have been, you know, that they saw this, this guy, you know, really needing, you know, needing close, close friends or close people or people in general yeah. than what he was doing to himself. But, you know kind of loved him enough and were also employed mm-hmm. by him to not really say like, hey, you know, knock it off quit doing that. Or, yeah. just, you know, what are you doing with your life kind of thing. Yeah. You know, but the the, uh, the actual, like, the the real part of it was that they, you know, they truly loved him, truly cared for him. And I think that's that's why they st- stuck by him. That's why they were so loyal, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if, I mean... He's certainly charismatic and creative, so on the surface level, he's kind of a fun guy to be yeah. around, right? Yeah. So maybe they were drawn to that initially, but I agree. I think they see some sort of tragedy yeah. in him that they kind of want to help with. Yeah. You know? Um, which I think is a good picture of kind of how we should be in yeah. life, you know? We all know somebody who's difficult to be around right. or... Um, Right. Hard to be with, and I think that's a good lesson for us. Why do you think i don't know what makes that important in relationships I think
0: I think nowadays and then I think you could probably the best example of this would probably be at you know, like a work environment in an office or or mm. you know whatever mm-hmm. whatever you, whatever you do uh it's so easy to walk past people and say, "Hey, how's it going? good all right bye yeah. you know and it's it's fine you know you're not <clears throat> trying to in that that thirty second you know, conversation or interaction as you're walking to the bathroom, you're not expected to take a deep dive into someone's life. Right. Right. But nowadays it's so easy to write people off because they're, um, uh, annoying or persistent or so you just kind of like, I don't even want to deal with that person. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but you know, where I think we're meant more, we're meant for more than that. Yeah. You know, I think we're, we're meant to, you know, have deeper connections. We're meant to be a community. Um, you know, we're not, loyalty is a sign of a true relationship, you know, you're going to be loyal to somebody if you love that person, if you care for that person, and you are constantly encouraging and uplifting that person. Yeah. Um. So that's that that would become evident. Those are the fruits of a, you know, a healthy and true relationship. Um. But I think that's why that's important. You know, we're all running the same race, whether, uh, <clears throat> you know, whether, you know, you're trying to get to, you know, a particular, you know, new business goal, or whether you're trying to get, you're trying to reach, you're all reaching the same goal. Yeah. Um, you know, and you're all living life. Um, and I think as, uh, you know, it, it's hard. It, it, it's just getting harder with with social media. You know, with other things. With distractions. Yeah, there's more ways to mask. There's, yeah. Yeah. There's more ways to mask that. And I think with how smart. Tony Stark was with um, how long he would spend, you know, in his basement or in his lab or his workshop or whatever. He could just spend their hours working on something. So there was no, that was, Jarvis was his his loyal friend. Yeah. Um, You know, that was his work. He would just, you know, that's what he would do. So.
1: I literally have no way to improve on that. (laughs) Awesome answer. (laughs) Um, so let's move on. So we talked a little bit earlier about the two different Bruce Banners, you know, the Ed Norton Bruce Banner and the Mark Ruffalo Bruce Banner, but that's not the only instance of recasting in the Marvel Universe. We've got one here too. So in this movie, James Rhodes is played by Terrence Howard. And then I won't even go into the story of why. I'm not, I don't know all the details. I don't want to disparage anybody, but, um... Starting in Iron Man Two, it's Don Cheadle playing the role, and obviously he plays it throughout the MCU. So I'm just curious, which one do you like better? Um, well, I I liked
0: Terrence Howard and then when I found out they switched him, I was like, Oh, that's you know, that was a bummer. Yeah. Like I liked how he played Rhodes. But then when they you know, moving forward after Iron Man two three and then everything else, I really liked Don Cheadle and how he portrayed Rhodes. Yeah. Um so I you know, it was I gave myself a minute. Of, of mourning, um, and then oh, moved damn. on. Moved on. <laughs> all right, all right. Because then, when you think, I mean, think about it now, and you watch, you know, Civil War. I think Don Cheadle, there's good chemistry there. He he did a really good job with, with uh, Tony with uh, RDJ and Tony Stark and yeah, and everyone else in that in that cast. I think it was I think it was a really good move to cast him.
1: Yeah, I think. If you had to recast it, I think Don Cheadle was a good choice. Yeah. Maybe they should have gone but, with Will Smith. <laughs> Will Smith. <laughs> I, I actually would have loved to see Terrence Howard in the Marvel Cinematic the, Universe yeah, okay. at large. I mean, think about him interacting with like Anthony Mackey's Falcon yeah. and stuff like that. And think about him interacting with Bucky and all these other characters and yeah. stuff like that. Just his swagger. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think it could have been cool. Yeah, I like I, Don Cheadle too. I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about him. He did him, have
0: right. more swagger. I think he does have more swagger yeah. than, than Don Cheadle.
1: Don Cheadle seems like a very nice dude. He like does, somebody yeah. you just want to hang out with. Right.
0: Yeah. Like if you didn't have, like, you needed to make a collect call because payphones are still a thing. <laughs> yeah. He would, he would <laughs> you know, he'd, he'd give you he, the money and then you'd get to lunch or something. He
1: would. He would. He'd give you a ride home.
2: <laughs> Good old Don. Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, pardon my brief interruption here, but do you need a new pair of headphones? If you do, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Urban Vinyl. They make premium wood headphones that look amazing. But here's the thing, they're made by audiophiles for audiophiles, so they sound as good as they look. In fact, reviewers have called their headphones the best headphones on the market, better even than Bose and Beats. And you know what, I agree. They're what I use when I record this podcast. Please consider purchasing a pair using the link in the show notes. If you click the link to their website and use the promo code J, my name, my first name, J-A-Y, super simple. You save 15% and Urban Vinyl will make a donation to the Reclamation Society. So if you need headphones or you're looking to upgrade the pair that you currently have, definitely take a look at what urban vinyl has to offer click the link in the show notes to visit their website and use my name jay to get the 15 percent discount thanks for letting me interrupt now let's get back to the show
1: let's dive back into the deeper questions here so once tony finishes the first suit the mark one the first iron man suit the first thing he does is run out and kill people. Yeah. Now granted, those people are terrorists, and it's a war zone, so I guess it's not fair to say he runs out and kills people, but yeah. uh, it did, that just strikes me as interesting because, you know, it would seem that part of his enlightenment is learning that he's sort of been killing people this whole time, right? He's been producing weapons that are killing people. And so when he creates the suit, the first thing he does is go out and kill people. hmm Do you think that's a problem? <laughs> I mean, should Iron Man kill? What do you think?
0: Uh, um, uh, I think this was something that they didn't really spend a lot of time or any time thinking about. Because right after this, right after that scene, he's being chased by, you know, the, the U.S. Air Force. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of funny banter between him and and Rhodes. Mm-hmm. So there's like you don't kind of you don't. They help you get over it real quick. Yeah, they help you yeah. get over it real quick. You know, it's the whole like. Like uh, Han Solo just died, but hey, here's R two D two, and so I think they didn't spend enough time for that, and because you kind of wanted to see. I think I think if I had thrown on a suit, I built a suit, threw it on, and then went and killed people, I'd be like, what What am I doing? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Like again, they're 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 terrorists. They're bad people. So they're doing bad things and and killing other people. Yeah. So it kind of you could I guess you. Maybe he justified that, like, uh, you know, Kia killing I'm killing people who are killing other people, innocent people. Yeah. Um, I don't think I don't think it you know, as he went down the road, I don't think it would have been a problem or yeah. it should be a problem because that's why he created it, you know. Um
1: I'd love to ask John thing? Favreau that question. Yeah. Because you, you watch a movie like like Batman versus Superman. Yeah you could i mean batman definitely kills people yeah. in that movie and batman is famous for not killing yeah and i i, I want to give filmmakers as much credit as i can and i love that movie but i just don't think Zack snyder really thought that through you know he probably thought well he's not shooting people in the head or stabbing them with something <laughs> But if he blows up a car that they're in, well they died accidentally i you know I just don't think he's thinking that stuff through, but I think of John Favreau as a much more thoughtful filmmaker, yeah, so I would love to hear his answer to that question yeah i mean i I
0: didn't think I didn't think it was a problem i I thought more so I was like, oh, I wish they would have given you like the this even if it was like a split second or something of him like realizing what he was doing, yeah, you know. That would have been more insightful. And then they could have done the banter to help you get over
1: it. Right. You know? Yeah, it doesn't take a lot. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think... You know, I think they could have even just explained it as it was just a gut level reaction. Like... Yeah. You know, he's trying to improve himself and then hear this chick that he slept with a few weeks or a few months ago. Yeah. Hands him a picture of people that are dying at his hand, essentially mm-hmm. by his weapons. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and so it, I could see the gut level reaction, like, "Oh, I got to go deal with this. I yeah. got to go take these guys out." Yeah. You know.
0: And it's it's uh, you you see that kind of build up. So they did that. They helped you, they helped you see build that anger build up. Yeah. You know, as you sitting on the couch watching the news, mm-hmm. you know, fixing his arm,
1: and he starts shooting, and his, he starts shooting yeah. his house up. Right. Right. <laughs> I
0: mean, because why not? Yeah. Um, so they did. They did. I think he that was done well. But I would have been. It would have been interesting to have seen him that transition. Like, okay, I'm pissed off. I'm gonna go take care of this. Oh crap! What have I done? Yeah. Kind of thing.
1: Right. So, do you think superheroes in general should kill? I think for the
0: the greater good. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. And. Uh, you know, I think I think when. The superhero finds out, you know. However, they stumble. You get Spider-Man, you know, Iron Man, you know, build a suit. Yeah, Thor, who's a god with, a, a, you know, <laughs> with a fancy hammer. Yeah, with a fancy hammer. Um. So you know, you have all these people, but the ones that kind of stumble onto this superhero, you know, they kind of have. It feel. It seems like they kind of have a, or they place upon themselves a greater responsibility over humanity. Mm. Um. Where is it? I quoted something, um, it, and then I'll mention it again in the following, uh, later question. But he quotes well, he's having an argument with Pepper Potts, Tony Stark, mm-hmm. uh, and he says, "There's nothing but the next mission." Yeah. And so he's trying to restructure his mindset and his attitude and his behavior, um, you know, from where like he he was rich and really did nothing with that to now being able to have this powerful suit yeah. that's enhanced, and now he can protect as many people as he wants to, or at least he thinks. So he hasn't really quite honed in on what specific he is to do with this new power, you know, except for this is my next thing is to protect
1: whatever else kind of thing. I think that's a really good picture of his personality too. That's part of what makes the story so deep is, you know, his relationship with who he was before this was not healthy. Right. You know, he has, he was addictive, he was obsessive. Yeah. And so... It wouldn't make sense that he would become Iron Man and his relationship with it would be perfectly healthy. Yeah. It's like, no, he's going to get addicted to that and become obsessed with that. Right. And start to lose himself in that just like he did in being who he was before. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think for superheroes killing, I mean, I can, I enjoy the stories either way. Like you've got great stories on both ends. You know, Mm -hmm. you've got your Wolverine stories and stuff like that where people are getting killed left and right. Um, the Punisher series on Netflix or his, his involvement in the Daredevil series was really cool. A lot of people like Deadpool. He's not my thing, but he's obviously killing people (laughs) left and right. Um, so I think there's, you know, there's ways to tell stories in both instances. But to me, I think the more interesting storytelling comes from the heroes that don't kill because I think it's harder. I think it's harder to tell a good story where you can't just kill off the villain, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think, spoiler here for Captain America Civil War, but that's one of the things I love, well, and Winter Soldier. That's one of the things I love about those movies because that's what those movies are about. You know, you can't just kill Bucky. Like, yes, the Winter Soldier was a villain, but there's more to it than that. Yeah. He deserves a chance to be redeemed. Yeah. You know, and then at the end of Civil War, we see Zemo try to kill himself, but Black Panther won't let yeah. him do it. And he's breaking that cycle. You know, mm-hmm. you can't just kill. You can't just get yeah. revenge. You have to be willing to take the hard steps towards redemption. Yeah. So I think I just side with that because those stories are more interesting yeah. to me. Okay. You know, your Batmans, your Supermans yeah. and stuff like that. And again, that's just a different kind of storytelling. I think that's truer to life, mm-hmm. obviously. <laughs> I don't think we can just run around killing people that right. make life hard for us. Right. Um. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think I side with the the non-lethal heroes. Okay. But I love a good Wolverine movie, too. Yeah. You know, what are you (laughs) going (laughs) to do? Okay, so let's come back to Iron Man here. Um, So, okay, here's a quote from the movie. Obadiah Stane, who is Jeff Bridges' character, we've talked about him a few times, he's the big villain of the movie, he says to Tony kind of in the big moment where he's revealing himself oh no i guess he revealed himself earlier but it's one of the moments when he turns on tony in the movie and he puts that paralyzer behind his ear and and then takes the the reactor out of his heart yeah um but he says to tony do you really think that just because you have an idea it's yours your father helped give us the atomic bomb now what kind of world do you think it'd be today if he was as selfish as you and obviously, Obadiah is selfish too. He's the villain. Yeah. Which we've talked about on these podcasts before. Selfishness is a marker of villainy, mm-hmm. according to us. And we are smart, so go with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wicked smart. Wicked smart. Um, so obviously, Obadiah is selfish too, but it's still an interesting question. So what do you think about that? Should Tony be sharing his new technology with the world? I think I think he could
0: have. Um, I think... Uh um to a certain point obviously it was too, he was being selfish this was his yeah he he this is what he invented he created and he wanted it for him um thus you have iron man right um but at the same time i think leave, uh, living a life as iron man he could have also presented that technology to the world to you know to for the betterment of the world you yeah. know to um, Improvised areas, you know, what have you. it could be? It could have been anything, and I think you see that as the story or his story progresses in Iron Man two, three, and then through the whole MCU. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, I think what is it in uh, the first Avengers? Him and Pepper Potts are developing uh, some new um, uh, like water energy technology or something. like right, yeah. that One. So uh-huh. so he it starts. He starts applying it in a, a more grander you know, scheme, the whole, this, you know, I have this technology, I'm going to start sharing it. Yeah. You know, even if it's not the suit, it's still things that the arc reactor, or,
1: you know, right, right. Still, you know,
0: could still power.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think at first we're sort of given the picture that he shouldn't share it because Obadiah steals it and does something terrible with it. And we see that in Iron Man too. Justin Hammer steals it and does something terrible with it. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's some justification to he can't trust anybody else with this technology because everybody else is opportunistic. Yeah. But maybe it's less about sharing the technology and more about sharing himself. You know, more about learning to trust people. Yeah. Because I think you see in this movie and then throughout the rest of the Marvel Universe that the more he trusts people, the better off he is. And it's when he gets off onto his own obsessive control that problems arise. That's when Ultron arises, and all this kind of stuff, you know. So, I think in the end, sharing it is good because it helps keep him in check. So, you know, you can't necessarily trust everybody to use it, right? Right. But it's good for him to share it. Yeah. Um. In the end of the movie, Tony points out that. He's an unlikely choice for a superhero, given his laundry list of character defects and yeah. all the mistakes he's made. Um, do you think those things should disqualify him from being a superhero or not? I think, no, I don't think so.
0: I, I mean, he he obviously states that they do, um, you know, but I think it's what makes him, you know, it's what makes him be that, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing else except for the next thing that I Mm -hmm. need to be doing. Um, that same obsessive behavior, um, you know, keeps pushing him to, to better himself, to, um, you know, to trust people, um, even if he doesn't want to. Yeah. So I don't think they disqualify him. I think if anything, they, you know, they bring him down. He is, he's just a man in a suit but that brings, it brings down the notch even more. Yeah. You know, he isn't just smart, but he has, you know, he has these, uh, um, he has things that make him a human, yeah. you know, makes him a man and it's what, you know, he has these defaults, not defaults, um, defects, defects. Yeah. These, these negative traits that would you know, he in his mind, this is what a hero is, this is what a superhero is, I'm not any of those. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it I don't think it should disqualify him or that he should that he would ever let it disqualify him.
1: Yeah. I agree. I don't think it should. And I think I think it's what makes him such an interesting superhero. Um and he's even got the physical defect, right? Like right. he has shrapnel in his heart that yeah. will kill him unless he has this thing next to his chest. Yeah. And I think that was Stan Lee's mantra when he would create characters. There's some sort of... There would have to be a flaw for them to overcome. And I think that makes for a really interesting character. I think that's one of the reasons Batman is so interesting. Mm. You know, because he can never quite get past what happened to him as a kid. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I don't think it should qualify him. And I think if we look at life, none of us want to be disqualified. Right. You know, we all want... We want to be afforded the opportunity for redemption. Right. And we should be affording that opportunity to other people as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. He should yeah. not be disqualified. Um, so at the end of the movie, he does the big surprising thing of revealing his identity. He says, I am Iron Man. Do you think he should have done that? I think, I, I don't
0: think he would have done it any other way being Tony Stark cuz he's just this it just go you know he, he you know he he went through you know being kidnapped the near death experience and then coming out of fighting Obadiah you know the first villain yeah. um you know and in this new place you know with uh you know the people that have always backed him and i think it's just his normal behavior his attitude i think he's just being cocky and he
1: could <laughs> yeah
0: you know like <laughs> you know i'm i'm really smart and yeah i'm iron man i want credit for yeah this. i want credit for this <laughs> exactly yeah
1: yeah i think that's part of it i think part of it is just his arrogance and he doesn't want anybody else to be iron man but i think this is also sort of that shift away from like i was saying earlier the suit kind of helped him be isolated. I think this might be a shift away from that. Like this might be a way of letting more people in and trusting more people. Yeah. You know. Um and you kind of you see Phil Coulson work his way into being one of those people that he trusts too. Yeah. And obviously, if you've seen the rest of the Marvel movies, we know that Coulson goes on to become a very important character. Um so yeah, I think it's partially just Tony being Tony. Yeah. And a good funny little shocking right. moment. <laughs> but I think it shows growth too. I think it shows that he's willing to just not be an island, yeah. you know. Um Well, that pretty much that kind of wraps up this movie, but let's look ahead a little bit. Um, you know, we've talked about Tony wanting redemption and about Iron Man's obviously not the end of his story. We have Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3 and the Avengers movies and Civil War and Spider-Man and all this other stuff that's <laughs> right. coming. Right. Um, and throughout all of that, there's this through line of Tony is still seeking redemption. It's for different reasons along the way, but you know he maybe gets it a little bit and then it drifts away from him and he's got to come back at it. And it's this ongoing struggle. Um, so do you think that is kind of an accurate... Portrayal of what the quest for redemption looks like in real life.
0: Yeah, um, I think the quest with, for the quest of redemption. I think uh, you learn quickly that um, you know you make you make mistakes, and with those mistakes, you know you kind of have to deal with consequences. Uh, but you learn from those. You deal with those consequences, and you learn from them, and you don't ever make those mistakes again. Yeah. Um, or if you do, then you remind yourself why you don't do them. Right. You know, but I think it's, it's, um, um, I think the best, the best way I, when I was thinking about this, the best way I could, I could, I could like the, the two words I thought of were progressive sanctification. Um, hmm. and I think it was something that, you know, all superheroes and one that you kind of, Tony stands out, um, you know, cause you see the con the, the the um you know what happened after the fight in New York in Avengers, you know, mm-hmm. the consequences from that, the damages, everything, you the know. Full-blown yeah, the full blown
1: anxiety that he has yeah, too. Like exactly. it's totally changed him as right. a person.
0: It's completely changed him as a person. And you know, even if it's not redemptive, it's more of like it, it's a progressive flow for him. Yeah. Things are constantly changing for him and he's trying to adapt. And the Tony from years ago, you know, wouldn't have had to deal with that. You know, it would have just been like a shift in product or a pivoting for a brand yeah. or market. Yeah. You know, I'm going this way now. Uh, whereas now it's like he's dealing with re- like, like the, the world is in his hands. Um, and so to see him constantly struggle with that was um, really interesting to see. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that was... They, they hit that right right on because it's constantly, he, he, things are constantly changing for him. And as a, as a man, you know, you have Hawkeye, you have Black Widow, they're, they're just humans. Right. Um, but with, with Tony having, you know, a, a power suit, you know, and enhancements, there's not, you know, he has more power at his, to, to wield. Yeah. Uh, so I think to be able to wield that and have that power and be like, man, how can we save all these people? how can, yeah. you know, how can we, what do we do kind of thing. So I think it's it's really progressive. It's constantly happening for him. Um, I don't know if, you know, hopefully whenever his time is up as Tony Stark, <laughs> you know, they wrap it up nicely. But, you know, I think they did. I think with him, it's just kind of a progressive thing and it, it hasn't stopped yet.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Tony's sort of journey looks a lot like what redemption looks like in real life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what the, what's the old saying? Like one step forward, two steps back, or, yeah. or you hope it's the other way around. Right. Two steps forward, one step back. Yeah, But yeah, I think it's pretty accurate. I mean, we strive to be better, but we're not perfect. We're going to falter along the way. And hopefully the trend, the overall trend is growth. Hopefully yeah. it's positive. Hopefully it's forward movement. Right. You know? Right. Um, and I think I think Tony's a pretty good picture of that. Um, he's, you know, he's still learning. And some of his best scenes, I think, throughout the Marvel Universe are when that gets challenged. You know? Yeah. Like, I think of the scene in... Again, just be aware of spoilers. I think of the scene <laughs> in uh, Captain America Civil War when he's walking to the elevator... And he meets that woman whose son died in Sokovia. And Ooh, yes. She throws that in his face. Yeah, That's one of my favorite scenes in the whole MCU. Yeah. Like, I just think that's fantastic. So yeah, I think it's a good picture of it. I think it's representative of life. Yeah. That's my last question. Was there anything else on your mind about Iron Man? Anything else you wanted to throw out there?
0: Um. No, I think that's... I think there is a couple points here that I just can't read my own writing. <laughs> so <laughs> as no I no was problem. feverishly taking notes I was, <laughs> last night. Um no, I think it it, it was a solid movie. Um, you know it, it's a good picture of of you know you have these if these superheroes whether they're just humans with enhancements or power suits um, and they kind of all the, just at the end of the day, need each other. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Pepper Potts tells when they're arguing about him putting on the suit and heading back out, you know, to do what he needs to do. She says, uh, um, Tony Stark tells her, you're all I have. And she says, you're all I have too. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of where they stick together and, you know, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to. It's the betterment of the world and, you know, we kind of have to just stick together.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good mark of all the Marvel movies, too. Like, it's never just about saving the world or protecting innocent people. There's always personal stakes to it, too. Right. They're always real people who have real problems and we get to see them navigate that, too. So, just good characters. Yeah. So, hopefully the DC universe universe is gonna be similar. I hope so. So I know some people think it's off to a rocky start. I guess it is off to a bit of a rocky start, but I think there's some stuff to be really excited about. Yeah. So Yeah. And that's a good way to end the Marvel podcast by talking about DC, (laughs) right? (laughs) So Elvis, thanks for coming back man. Thanks again man,
2: appreciate it. Totally. All right, that is it for today's podcast. What do you think? Let us know. Write us an email at hi@reclamationsociety.org, at reclamationsociety.org or you can cut and paste that email address from the show notes. Also, make sure that you subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any of our upcoming podcasts. Go hit the subscribe button right now. And while you're there, if you have an extra minute, write us an iTunes review. That is it for today's show. As always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth. We'll catch all of you story geeks on the next podcast.